Please be seated. But we're going to stand right back up afterwards. <laughs> I'm grateful and humbled uh, to be bringing forth a word this morning. But I'm also a little nervous and a little shaken, so bear with me. And with that, let us go before God's throne of grace and pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, what we know not teach us. What we have not, give to us. And what we are not, make us. According to the praise of your glorious grace and for the sake of your steadfast love, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my God, my rock and redeemer, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand. Sorry about that. Our sermon text is from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord, and may he search our hearts and seek our truth. In Jesus' name, please be seated. Back in college, which seems like ages ago, um, coming from high school as I graduated, I tried out for the basketball team. I tried once. I didn't make it the first time. I tried out twice, I didn't make it. And that was a very humbling experience for me. It was humbling in that, you know, in my own flesh, I thought that, you know, I had it all and I deserve a chance to play on this basketball team. But through that experience, the coach brought me in and I became the team manager. And through that experience also, I became friends with the star player of that team. And he really looked out for me. His name was Garvin. And he was a very good player. He was very good at defense. He's very good at, at, at shooting. He was a good shooting guard. And he really looked out for me and helped me to improve my game. And from there, you know, I, made, I eventually made the team. And we also were good college roommates as well. But one evening, uh, he brought a friend over. And we had rules at the college dorms that, you know, visitors couldn't come after hours. And he brought this friend over. And I was downstairs on my laptop 
working on my assignment, so I paid him no mind. But then the security guard came at the door, he knocked, and he asked, if, was there any visitors there? And it was about 11 o'clock, and that was curfew. So what happened is, visitors would have to sign out and leave the campus. And this wasn't the first time he's done something like that. No, this wasn't the first time. And so I got angry, and I called him out, and we exchanged a few words. He was like, you know, I did this for you. Why are you going to do me like this? But I felt betrayed. I felt that he betrayed me to put me in that position. And, he, and on the flip side, I think he felt betrayed as well because I had let him down. And from that moment on, our relationship changed, and we were just teammates. Was there any way back to how things were for us? There was a sense of loss, a sense of grief, a sense of sadness and hopelessness. Garvin betrayed me, and I haven't felt that. How much worse to know that we too betray others, whether we do it intentionally or by accident. This is who we are by our human nature. And in our text this morning, Peter is confronted by the resurrected Christ for his failure, his betrayal. He denied Jesus not once, but three times. And Jesus even predicted his failure. Was there any way back for Peter? And friends, all of us, by our human nature, are prone to betray or fail Christ. We fail to obey his commands and fail to love him for who he is and what he has done for us. Like Peter, we often assume a false identity based on our own performance or self-righteousness rather on Christ's unmerited love for us. Also, like Peter, we make foolish choices. We often fail in our walk with the Lord. Yet our failure is not the end of the story. For Jesus Christ is all about restoring us back to himself, especially when we fail. And with this hope, we must acknowledge our weakness. We must confess our sin, repent, and obey his commands. Because there is hope and restoration for every failure. And this morning, there is unfinished business between us and Christ. Thus, to better understand our problem and the hope that we have through the gospel, I will mention three things. First, in our text this morning, there is a relational question. Do you love me? Do you love me? And second, there is a penitent response. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And thirdly, there's a required action. Feed my lambs or again, feed my sheep. So there's a relational question, a penitent response, and a required action. First, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And the last time Peter was asked a question about Jesus, it was in the presence of a charcoal fire where he denied Jesus three times. This was during Jesus' crucifixion trial. Thus, it is fitting around this charcoal fire, Peter is again asked a question about Jesus three times. This time, however, the question are in an entirely different agenda. For this time, the question comes not from accusers, but the, from the one who was himself the foremost accused. And this time, the questions come not before, but after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is, the questions Jesus asks do not seek to take life, but to restore it. For the person asking the questions 
has already paid the price for his own life. Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I want you to recall what Peter had said before Jesus was arrested. Peter had insisted that he would never abandon Jesus, even if it meant that he would go to prison or even death. In Matthew 26, 33 to 35, Peter answered, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So Jesus is not going back to the Peter's behavior, but the underlying flow in Peter's heart that led to the failures. Peter's problem was a false identity, and Jesus is calling Peter to examine himself. For Peter's identity was based on the assumption that he was more superior than all the other disciples. For Peter's identity was based on, Peter told Jesus that he is the, was the most passionate and most faithful of them all. But Peter denied and failed Jesus, not once, but three times. We may ask, was Peter a true disciple of Christ? And note the personal nature of the question. It's not about the nation of Israel or the whole world or someone else. It was directed to Peter personally. And notice also that the question concerned Peter's love, not his faith, not his fear or admiration of Jesus or anything about Peter's works. For example, he did not say, how often do you tell others of me? How often do you go to, down on your knees and you pray to me? Do you give to your church regularly? How often do you attend church or Bible study? No, he said none of these. And we know that works are important, but unless love lies at the bottom, all these things are vanity. Jesus' question is very vital as it is not about outward action, but it concerns the heart. For if love is wrong, then everything else is wrong. Hence, Jesus simply asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? Early one morning, a man woke up to watch the sunrise. And as he sat down and watched, he saw the beauty of God's creation. And he praised God for his beautiful work. And as he sat down and he pondered, he felt God's presence. And he would say these things. And he said that the Lord asked him, and here's the dialogue. Do you love me? I answered, of course, you are my Lord and my Savior. Then he asked me a series of questions. If you were physically handicapped, would you still love me? If you were blind, would you still love my creation? If you were deaf, would you still listen to my word? If you were mute, would you still praise me? And with each one, I answered, Lord, it would be tough, but I will still love you. It's hard to think of not seeing, but I would still love you. It would be tough, but I would still listen to your word. And though I could not physically sing, I would still praise your name. And the Lord asked, do you really love me? 
and with courage and strong conviction, I answered boldly, yes, Lord, I love you because you are the one true God. And I thought I had answered well, but then God asked, then why do you still sin? I answered, I'm only human. I am not perfect. And the Lord continued, why only sing in fellowship and retreats? Why seek me only in times of worship? Why ask things so unfaithfully? Why are you ashamed of me? Why make excuses when I give you opportunities to serve in my name? Do you truly love me? I could not answer. How could I? I was ashamed and embarrassed. I had no excuse. And feeling repentant, I asked, then why do you continue to forgive me? Why do you love me so? And the Lord answered, because you are my creation. You are my child. I will never abandon you. When you go down, I will encourage you. When you fail, I will raise you up. I will be with you till the end of days, and I will love you forever. Church, this morning, this is our story. We are loved by God not because of our performance or our broken love. Our identity is based on God's great love for us. And today, he's asking us this question. Do you love me? And like Peter, he's not trying to be cruel or embarrass us. No, Jesus comes with grace, tenderness, and love. He wants you and I to examine ourselves. So I ask you, is your identity based on your own self-righteousness, or is it based on God's love for you, or the finished work of Christ? Do you love Jesus? And how is this manifested in your own life? So we have seen in this passage that Peter has built his own self-worth based on the assumption that he was more faithful than the other disciples. But his false identity was shaken because he denied Jesus three times. Then Jesus asked him about his love three times, one for each of Peter's denial. So how does Peter respond? Second, Peter gives a penitent response. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I want you to notice what Peter does not do. He does not make any excuses or put the blame on somebody else, nor is he defensive. Also, he did not point to any great deeds that he's done in the past to prove how much he does love God. For instance, yes, I betrayed you, but remember all the ways I served you in the past. Neither does he talk about how unworthy he is, beating himself up in an effort to atone for his own sins. No, he simply says, Lord, I love you. That is to say, I know I denied you three times, but I still want a love relationship with you. No excuses, Lord. I know I failed you. Peter is admitting his weakness and showing us what Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 7, 10. Godly sorrow and true repentance rather than worldly sorrow. And every time Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? He says, you know, Lord, you know everything. He's appealing to God's omniscience. 
he has rejected his old identity as his own self-righteousness is being stripped right before our eyes. Lord, you know everything. You told me that I would deny you, and I did exactly that. Please forgive me. I still want to be your disciple. I still want to be your friend. And notice also in the last exchange in verse 17 that Peter was grieved. Why was he grieved? We can assume that being asked the same question three times really hurt Peter. And also reminded him that he denied Jesus three times. We don't like to be questioned over and over on things that we have done wrong, don't we? When we fail, we don't want somebody to push it in our face. Because it hurts when we fail somebody else. But this was not the reason. Many scholars have concluded that it was the use of the verb love in Greek. In the first two exchanges, Jesus uses the verb agapao, which is a deeper, divine, fatherly love. But Peter responds every time with the verb phileo, which is a friendship love. So in the last exchange, Jesus used phileo when he questioned Peter. Do you even love me with a friendship love? And so Peter was grieved. In response, Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Moreover, Peter is stressing that he really meant it and that Jesus knew the state of his heart. Friends, it's not always easy to admit when you fail or when you betray someone. Last month, I had a chance to attend my brother's graduation, and I don't uh, want you to ever do this. We drove from Jacksonville to Arkansas. Why not catch a plane, right? So we rode, and it took us 16-plus hours to get there, which included bathroom breaks and food stops, of course. And the journey was long. It was very long. But we look forward to celebrating my brother's accomplishment. And during the time of the ceremony, which was in Clarksville, Arkansas, my brother walked on the stage, and we cheered him on. We watched him collect his diploma. And we were standing on the grass uh, waiting for him to just walk by so that we could embrace him and congratulate him for working so hard. So my mom, my dad, my sister, we all were standing there just waiting, and my cousin, all the family members, my aunt, my wife was in the back. So they had no idea what was going on. And then when he came, we embraced him. We said, Jordan, we're proud of you. Good job. Good job. And then he said, let me go sit down before I begin to cry. And then I realized my mom, she had tears coming down from her eyes. My dad, he was by the tree. He had tears coming down from his eyes. My cousin, she had tears. It was like a domino effect. Tears started to fall down from my eyes as well. And I wanted to be strong. I wanted to hold back these tears. But I just couldn't. And it lasted for a few minutes. Indeed, this was a joyous time for us. And many of us have been on this journey with him for, from the very beginning, just bringing him to college that first year and then seeing him excel continually every semester. And so, yes, there were tears. But something deeper was going on inside of me, something that I was not aware of. It was a moment when God was speaking to me and coming back uh, to my small group 
on Mondays. I related the story to them. They listened and they asked me some questions to help me get a little deeper. There was a tension between strength and weakness that I was not aware of. I felt that, you know, now the, bur the financial burden has been lifted. And as we got deeper, I realized that there was some underlying guilt that I felt because of my brother. I felt that I haven't been the best brother and that we weren't close at all. I felt like a failure. I felt that I could have been a better influence. I could have been more Christ-like towards him. I could have helped him to be a better Christian. So I felt like a failure. And one of the guys asked me, Jude, what do you think God is, is telling you right now? With some more probing and after a long pause, I said, God is saying, it's okay. It's okay to show weakness. And I was reminded of Paul's letter to 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. And church, Jesus knows and sees that we all fail. He knows our heart, and he knows everything about us. And Jesus asks us this question, that we may know him, and that we may know what is in our own heart. For who can speak into people's lives better than someone who finally knows their own heart? And like Peter, he is inviting us into a completely different identity. One that can say with Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. And so with this, we must acknowledge our weakness. And we must repent when we fail the Lord. For there is hope and there is a future after every failure. So first, we have seen that Peter was asked three times about his love for Christ. Second, we saw that he responded three times in humble repentance. And last, Jesus gives a command to demonstrate this love. So third, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And every time Peter responds in humble repentance, Jesus in turn says, feed my sheep or take care of my lambs. The Lord was not content with merely a profession of Peter's love, but for Peter to act in obedience. Jesus wanted to see evidence of Peter's love. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. But first, Peter had to be broken. He was standing too tall and too high, and the Lord needed to break him so that he can then restore him. A.W. Tozer once said, God cannot use a man or a woman greatly until he wounds them deeply. God cannot use a man or woman greatly unless he wounds them deeply. So Peter had to lose all his self-righteousness to be used for Christ's service. And by asking Peter to feed his sheep, Jesus wanted to show Peter that in weakness comes strength and that by serving others, you serve God. Peter had learned his lesson. Three times Jesus commanded Peter to tend his lambs and to feed his sheep. 
Peter was restored and recommissioned. It was now time for him to serve Christ by serving his people. It was now time for him to move from failure to restoration. It was now time for Peter to go into future service. And so Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. And it is when Peter feels the least disqualified that the Lord gives him the greatest commission. And this is the demonstration of his love. For the word declares, if you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, but are the very nature of love itself. For loving Christ and keeping his commands are one and the same. And friends, for those of us who are in Christ, when we are the most broken over our sin and humbled by our failure, it is just a time for Christ and for us to speak about the love of Christ to others. We don't have to hold a special office in church or think that we're not gifted in this area or that area. No. As broken vessels born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are all called into ministry when we are born again. We encourage, we pray, we teach, we serve, and we love others for the sake of Christ. As broken vessels, we can be used by the Lord to shepherd sheep when we are walking close to the great shepherd himself. And church, we know that our love is not perfect, and we know that we are prone to fail or betray our Lord and Savior. But let us not make any excuses or put the blame on someone else or beat ourselves up or even point to anything good that we have done. We are saved by grace and grace alone. We have been called, we have been redeemed, forgiven, adopted as sons and daughters, and co-heirs with Christ, and we are being sanctified. Our hope is not on what we do, but is on what Christ has done for us. He died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day, he rose again for our justification. Friends, we have the resurrection hope, one that cannot be taken away ever. In closing, how could failure and weakness be a path to greatness and leadership? In our world today, this does not make any sense. One must be confident, competent, and successful. In the world, your confidence and inner peace grow in direct proportion to your achievements. In fact, the better you do, the more love-worthy a person you feel that you are. But this is not the way of Christ or what is portrayed in Scripture. Failure is inevitable. But God is all about restoring. And he uses our failure for his own purposes and for his glory alone. When we look through Scripture at the hall of faith, we see men and women who have failed but are used by God. Abraham, he lied about his wife, and so did his son Isaac. Jacob lied and connived. David committed adultery and murder. Elijah was deeply depressed and did not want to live. Moses failed to obey God's instructions when he struck the rock. And Paul, Paul was an accomplice and persecutor of the church. But God used them all to build up his church. And today, he is looking for people. He's looking for people who fail to get back up again. Not on our own strength or performance or even our broken love, 
but by his mercy and his grace. We are not defined by our failure or any form of self-righteousness. Our identity is based on the magnitude of God's unchanging love for us. And today he's calling you and I to know this love more deeply, no matter where we are, what stage of life we are, whether we are in Christ or not in Christ, whether we are a new believer or mature believer. He's calling you and I to know more deeply this love. Moreover, the knowledge of God's perfect love for us and the light in us and Jesus can and will eventually transform us like nothing else. For he who began a good work in you will continue it until the end. And because of God's unchanging love for us, our hope is sure and our faith is secure. For we can be sure of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And one day, one day when Christ returns again, all things will be restored, church. There will be no more death, mourning, nor crying, no pain, nor any failures. We who are in Christ will be in the very presence of God himself, and we, he will dwell with us. He will be our God, and we will be his people. I love how David puts it. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Let us pray. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to you be all glory and honor for the sake of your goodness and your steadfast love. Lord, I'm amazed. I'm amazed how you use weakness, Lord, to build your church. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that never changes. The love for us is forever. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who's always about restoring us back to yourself even when you fail. So let us go, Lord, and be used by you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.